God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled the message for this morning, The Question That Answers All Others. Now that question is, who is Jesus Christ? Most people believe there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth and that he died on a cross and that it is said that he was raised from the dead. Most people have that information, but who is Jesus Christ? The answer to that question answers every other question. Who is Jesus Christ? Now, I'm speaking from Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3, where that that question is answered in such a powerful way by the Word of God. Now, let me remind you that the Bible is the Word of God. It claims to be the Word of God. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And if God is able to create the universe from nothing, he is able to inspire men to write a book and to keep it preserved without error through the ages. So we're reading from the word of God. The book of Hebrews begins like no other book. It begins with God. I love that. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the prophets. God. There's no attempts to prove his existence. Creation says God is. Somebody made all of this, and nobody made him. God is. Is God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past to the prophets, through the prophets. Thank God he is a God who speaks. He's not a God afar off. He is a God who speaks. Now, my words unfortunately, do not always line up with my actions. I may say something, and it could be that my actions contradict what I've said. The same is true of you, but not God. His word is his action. So supreme is his word that when he says it, it is already done. His word cannot be separated from his actions. Now, he's the God who speaks. And we read in Hebrews chapter 1 that he spake in times past unto the fathers by 
the prophets, sometimes in dreams and visions, sometimes in what are known as theophanies, pre-incarnate appearances of Christ before he was born of the Virgin Mary in the town of Bethlehem, sometimes through parables, sometimes through the law, sometimes through sacrifices and ceremonies and all the paraphernalia of the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple. He spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. But listen to this. He hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now, my dear friends, we're living in the last days. Does that mean that the return of Christ is imminent? It could mean that. I hope it is. But the last days are all the days between the first and second advent of Christ. Now, the Lord may return today. He may return in 2,000 years. I do not know. And when someone makes a claim as to knowing when he will return, they're dead wrong. The Bible The Lord himself said, no man knows the hour or the day. But we are living in the last days. And we read that he is in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now, Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ? He's the son of God. The uncreated son of God. God is one God in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, you won't get that in any other religion. God is one God in three distinct persons. That's the religion of Revelation. God has made himself known in the Bible and only in the Bible as the one God in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, as a distinct, separate person, and the Word was God. The Lord Jesus Christ is equal to His Father. The Lord said, He that honoreth not the Son... Honoreth not the Father which has sent him. We give all glory and honor to the Son, who is Jesus Christ. He is God the Son. Now let's go on reading in verse 2 with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. You know what that means? Everything belongs to Jesus Christ. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth, the world, and they that dwell therein. You're breathing his air right now. You're sitting in his space right now. He owns and is the heir of all things. Everything was made for his glory. He's the heir of all things. There is nothing that does not belong to him. He's the heir of all things. And next the writer says, by whom also he made the worlds. 
Jesus Christ is the creator. He is the one who spake the world into existence. He was he who said, let us make man in our own image. He was speaking that time as the second person of the Trinity and said, let us make man in our own image. He is the creator of the universe. Now listen to me. If you don't, if your concept of Jesus Christ begins in a manger and ends up in a cross, you've missed him altogether. Jesus Christ is the creator. Next it says in verse 3, who is Jesus Christ? Well, he's the son of God. He's the one who owns everything as the heir of all things. He's the creator of the universe from the um, vastness of the galaxies to the minutia of an atom. He made everything. And next it says, who being the brightness of of his glory and the express image of his person. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the brightness, the effulgence, the shining forth of God's glory, the express image of his person, the transcript, the character of God. He's not like God. He's not like God at all. He is God. He is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Colossians 2.9 says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in a body. All that God is in his infinite immensity, in his sovereignty, in his holiness, in his justice, in his independence, in his omnipotence, in his omniscience. He knows all things in his omnipresence. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere where he's not. All the fullness of God dwells in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. He's the brightness of God's glory. He is the express image of his person. Now next it says, with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, he upholds all things by the word of his power. And you know what that means? Jesus Christ controls everything. Everything that takes place, he is in absolute control of. He has complete sovereign control over your free and uncoerced actions. Do you know you're in his hand and anything you do is according to his will? You don't do it except he wills it. Now somebody says, I don't believe that. Well, he controls that too. He controls everything. He controls the thoughts going through your mind. He's working everything together for his glory and the good of his people. And he controls everything upholding all things by the word of his power. That's why I'm not worried about what's going on in the world. He's in control of it. I might not understand what he's doing, but he understands what he's doing. And he is in absolute sovereign control. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. Now let's go on reading. 
It says concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, when he had by himself purged our sins. Jesus Christ is the one who by himself purged our sins. Now, the first thing that you and I need to consider is who is meant by the pronoun our when he had by himself purged our sins. The reason I ask that question is if we don't know the answer to that, we won't really understand what is meant by the purging of sins. When he said he by himself purged our sins, does that mean all men without exception? Well, if it does, one of two things are true. If he means all men without exception, every son and daughter of Adam to ever live, that would mean that they'll all be saved. If their sins are all purged, either all of them will be saved or his blood, his purging was not enough to save them. There's something else you need to do to make that blood work. If he purged everybody's sins and some of those people whose sins he purged wind up in hell, that means his blood was not enough. And there was something they needed to do to make what he did work. But understand this, in this thing of the purging of sins, the hour is the elect of God. The sheep, not the goats, those the father gave him, those he represented. He said in John chapter 17, 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me. Now, the point is, is if he purged our sins, everybody whose sins were purged, they're gone. They're purged. He's incapable of failure. When he had by himself purged our sins, that's the church, that's all who believe. That's the elect of God. Everybody he died for. He said in John chapter 6, verse 38, And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. He, by himself, purged our sins. Now, let me say this. Here is what all of the elect have in common. Here is what everybody he died for has in common. They're defiled by sin and they need their sins purged. Now, would that describe you? Are you someone defiled by sin and you need your sins purged? There's nothing you can do to make your sin go away. It's still there no matter what you do. And you must have him do something for you. In and of yourself, you're defiled by your sin and you can't make it go away. You're evil inside and out. Now that's the type, that is the person that Christ died for. He died for sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save not good people, not righteous people, sinners of whom Paul said, I am the chief. Now, when he had by himself purged our sins. You know what that means? He put them away. He paid for them. He put them away. 
He paid the awful cost, the wrath of God against sin, the justice of God against sin, and he put them away. He made them not to be. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, for he hath made him to be sin. That's what, that's how he purged them. He was made to be those sins. And the justice and wrath of God came down upon him. He was made to be sin. He actually became guilty of the commission of those sins that he himself never committed. But when he in Gethsemane's garden drank of that cup, he said, the cup which my father giveth me to drink, shall I not drink it? What was in that cup? The sins of his people. He bore their sins in his own body on the tree. And what did he do while he was on the tree? He purged them. He made them not to be. They were put away. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Now here's the glorious thing that his purging did. Everybody he died for is now justified, sinless. They have no guilt. When they're brought before God on judgment day, they will be people who have never sinned. That's the power of his blood. Now don't miss this. When he had by himself purged our sins. He was by himself. He didn't have anyone helping him in this great work of the purging of sin. His father was not helping him. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? The father wouldn't help him. He was by himself. The angels wouldn't help him. Now they helped him in Gethsemane's garden, but while he's on the cross, he has no help from his angels. He's by himself. He has no help from his people. They're not standing at the foot of the cross saying, we love you for doing this for us. No, they had forsook him and fled. He was by himself. Now in the great work of the purging of sins, he did this by himself. No one helped him. No one aided him. He did this by himself. Not by enabling me or you to do something that would make what he did apply to us. By himself means, listen to me, forget doing. You didn't help in this. You made no contribution. He did this by himself. Don't think about what you need to do. It's done. It's finished. Now, please listen very carefully to me. If my salvation is dependent, ultimately dependent upon me doing anything, if my salvation is dependent upon me coming up with the faith, if my salvation is dependent upon me first coming up with the repentance, if my salvation is dependent upon my holy living, if my salvation is dependent upon me being able to stop committing any one sin, I have no hope. And neither do you, my friend.
But here is the gospel. When he had by himself, at a point in time, at a particular place, Golgotha's hill, when he had by himself, with absolutely no contribution from me or you, when he had by himself purged, made purification for our sins. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the one who by himself, that ought to ring as music in your ears. That means nothing's required of you to do. When he had by himself purged, put away, made not to be, washed away our sins. When he said it is finished, everyone he died for, all their sins were made not to be. And they stand before God sinless. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The place of favor. The place of power. Sitting. His work finished. Sins purged, sitting, not pacing back and forth in frustration because his will is not being done. Sitting in regal splendor, undisturbed by opposition. Sitting, the sitting Savior. Now, in the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, uh, there was the brazen altar, there was the table of showbread, there was the altar of incense, there was the veil separating the holy place and the holy of holies, there was the ark of the covenant with the mercy seat. In the temple, you know, one in the tabernacle and in the temple, one piece of furniture that was not there, a chair. Why? Because the Work of the typical high priest was never done because he never really accomplished anything. He typified something, but his work was never done. He went in once a year into the holy place, but you know what? He had to do it again the next year and the next year. And when he would die, the other high priest would have to go in again and again. Why? Because sin was not put away by what they did. But I'd like to read a passage to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Now those sacrifices never took away sin. And they knew that. They understood that. They simply pointed to him who would come to put away sin. No Blood of an animal ever put away one sin. But this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because his work was finished. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by 
one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, when he sat down, he sat down because his work was finished. Now, what does that mean? It means the father was completely satisfied with what he did. If he died for you, God the Father isn't looking for anything else. There's nothing that you need to do to add to what he has done. The Father is satisfied, completely, infinitely satisfied with what he did. The Son is completely satisfied with what he did. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Because of what Christ did for everybody he did it for, he can look at him, them and say, Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. He's completely satisfied with his bride. God the Holy Spirit is completely satisfied with what Christ did. This is the message he testifies of us to. He testifies of the work of Christ. That's what the Holy Ghost bears witness to, that there's no more sacrifice for sin. He did it all. Now, God, sacri- God the Father satisfied. God the Son satisfied. God the Holy Spirit's satisfied. Are you satisfied with what he did? Can you rest in what he did? Now, somebody says, give me something to do. Okay. There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Hebrews 4, 9. There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that's entered into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. What am I called upon to do? Rest. Cease from your own works. If you're thinking it's going to better be, I'm going to do better after this. Don't think that way. Oh, I'm going to change my life. Don't think that way. Rest in what he has done. What must we do that we might work the works of God? Here's the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Have you ever quit working, ceased from your works, and looked to Christ only what he did when he by himself purged our sins as all that's needed to make you perfect before God? Now, who is Jesus Christ? He's the express image of the person of God. He's the creator of the worlds. He's the one who upholds everything. He's the one who by himself purged our sins as the son of God who cannot fail. What are you and I called upon to do? To look to him only and to look nowhere else. Now we have this message on DVD and CD. If you write the church call, We'll send you a copy. This is Todd Niver praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nivert at gmail.com. 
or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.